Hello and welcome along to G'day GEA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. Delighted to be joined Saturday afternoon here in St. Kilda West in Giggles' spare room. Giggles, thanks for having us along. It's kind of a studio vibe we're having here. It, no, it is, it is kind of a studio vibe, but it is the spare room with a mattress up against the side of the wall beside <laughs> us. But on Instagram, we've made it look a bit more intimate, a bit more rustic. Yeah. But thanks very much for having us. It is Giggles's uh, partner's baby shower in a couple of hours time. So we are up against the clock. We have to get this episode in the can before people start knocking on the door. Exactly. Yep. So Giggles has his under instructions. Shawnee, thanks for coming along. Thanks, lads. You're thanks, Giggles. Nice yep. setup out there in the kitchen table, I see. Plenty of uh, sweets and <laughs> goodies for later. We were looking forward to getting stuck into it, but Giggles said, no, we'll just do the podcast and then we'll have the tea after. <laughs> so we've had no tea. Or no viscous, no nothing. Yeah. But we'll have there's a good feed out out there for Sean. You've had a tough morning. You've been a headache. Ah, just a few domestics. That's all right. <laughs> we, we won't get him to air in the podcast. Okay, okay. Once you can stick with us for the next hour, that would be great. So up first, um, we'll just go through some uh, of feedback on we got on Instagram during the week. Um, on our we put up a I suppose a post last week tweeting out the link. Or sorry, not tweeting out the link. Put the link out to the, the last week's episode. And we had a message in from Tommy O'Neill, who's a, a long-time listener, has been in touch with us a few times, saying, I hope Shawnee is back. Good to have a reasoned and balanced Corkman, in contrast to that last Slovene. <laughs> Sounded like Don O'Grady's brother. Hashtag bitter. So that was in relation to... Thanks, pa- Tommy. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> that was in relation to our uh, substitute host, uh, Pa O'Neill, who did come on, and I thought did a good job, but he was, you know, his, his anti-Kilkenny sentiments were very strong at times. Well, he yeah, he pat, pat um, a, a shrewd operator and wears his heart in his sleeve and likes to tell, let people know what he thinks. So I, I responded back to, to to Tommy's tweet or Tommy's post on Instagram and just said, look, management have spoken with Pan. He's been told he needs to, to minimise his anti Kilkenny agenda and he will not be back on the, on the air until he's made those improvements. So I thought that was just kind of the end of it, just kind of cut it off. But Pa has gone back hard this morning to, to Tommy. He wrote back to Tommy... Open your eyes to hurling outside of Kilkenny. If you're too soft to hear the truth and facts, maybe you should t- tune into a podcast full of yes men and soft critics. Hashtag <laughs> clueless. <laughs> oh, I thought, like, you know, dear the listeners. Pity, it's a pity Cork didn't get to the All-Ireland and we could have a, a, a Cork special with Pam. I said. Oh, no. And then he responded back to my message. I've nothing against Kilkenny. They're just average and a lot of people, Kilkenny people can't accept it. So Jesus, all heating up on Instagram That's there now. Uh, I know Tommy's based in Dubai. There's a lot of truth and jest. Yeah, well, there you go, Sean. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's based in Dubai, so he's on a similar timeline. So I'm sure he's reading that now as we speak, and he's hopefully drafting a response. and might come in as we're recording. So, thanks for getting in touch on at GEA on Instagram and on Twitter and GEA at gmail.com. We did get an email in. It's terrible, but bad, really bad by me. We got it in a oh, probably over four weeks ago from uh, from Hoggy from Cork. Um, he's a long-term listener of the podcast and I actually played hurling with him out in Boston in 2008 he was in UCC with me as well and he just got I haven't spoken to him literally since Boston but great show lads keep it going a great listen uh, it was 10 years ago we were watching Kilkenny Hammer Cork in the Greenbrier in Boston God we are old now he is a Cork man so that was a long time ago 10 years and he's a reference back to you Giggles a Giggles Corner that you did back in early June I'll still read it out now, Giggles Corner, he actually had the audacity to pick Tony Kelly above Dara Fitzgibbon from midfield. Sweet mother of Jesus. Um, some of his wides were embarrassing. He's referencing a, a game that Kelly played in. Um, and then he said, I, I expect Giggles to address this quickly. Oh. Keep up the great work, lads. After last weekend, I think I was answered. I think, I think, I think Tony Kelly is still in line for an all but I, I take his point. Dara Fitzgibbon is having one of the, the, the best seasons Obviously, he's ever had because he's only a young fella, but he's having one of the best seasons from a midfielder perspective in a long time. So, uh, yeah. I definitely take Hoggy's point on board. It's a, it's a fair comment. I can't yeah. argue with that one, Hoggy. Come on, Giggles. It's great to see Giggles being accepting of the of the different opinions out there, not like Pa O'Neill, who's just gone straight back for the juggler on one of the listeners. <laughs> um, but coming up on today's show, we're going to have obviously a look back. I think we've reached peak hurling mode with Dollar and semi finals last week. We're going to look back on Claire and 
Galway and look ahead to the replay which is on tomorrow at 2pm Irish time 11 o'clock Australian time which is a brilliant time for us we're looking forward to it and also look back at Limerick and Cork devastation for Sean he still hasn't pulled his head out of his boots he has a headache all week over it um, we're also going to have a look at potential candidates for hurlers of the year so far Michael Ryan stepping down and of course the the lonely cousin Gaelic football and the Super 8s we'll wrap up with that so coming up first we're going to have a look back at Limerick and Cork in one single moment your whole life can turn round I stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground Things were just going through my head you know and, and because I can only I don't want to leave the people of Warford down you know because they're my life you know people of Warford are my life you know and I, 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 I love I love, I love my county you know we love John Ballard you know, yeah. dry your eyes mate I know it's hard to take but her mind has been made up Plenty more fish in the sea. Shawnee, you were saying last weekend you were going staying up to watch the match live, um, which was a fair enough call. It was Cork and Limerick and Ireland semi-final. It was on a one o'clock in the morning Australian time. Mm-hmm. All going well, you would be in bed by around three. I woke up the next morning and watched the match. What time did you get to bed at? Liam, I actually don't even know what time I got to bed. I was, I was in a bit of a blur after the game and just waddled my way into the car. I was in Pau Neil's house, got into the car, went home, rang the brother, get his take on the match. Before you went to bed? Before I went to bed. Then I went headed into bed and my head, my, my heart was still very really racing. Um, so, I don't know, it was probably about four, half four and I got to bed. And up for work for half six? No, no, I didn't go into work until nine o'clock, so. Oh, grand, you got yeah, a yeah. three hours sleep then, yeah, was too bad. Too bad. <laughs> Did you still have to watch your giggles? I watched it the very next morning, actually, again. Um, uh, it was I said I'd just go to bed woke up at half six in the morning like I usually do and then just threw it on on the, on the iPhone and watched it with the earplugs in and like Shawnee and like the Clare game and like all the games weekend I was a neutral and my heart was absolutely pounding out of my chest so I can only imagine what it was like for the Galway Clare Cork and Limerick people yeah. around the country and around the world it was just phenomenal stuff all together yeah and look I, I was the same I watched it Monday morning before I went into work and of course the timing of it I left myself an hour and a half to watch it so I stayed away from the score woke up of course the bloody thing was going to bloody extra was going to extra time <laughs> so I had to get on the tram watch it on the tram the extra time because I was going to be late for work got into work I still hadn't finished it and I had to go into the meeting room and watch and watch extra time yeah. in the meeting room <laughs> so I watched it over three sittings on the, on the Monday morning without knowing the score so it was it was great great as a neutral watching it back but it was just a phenomenal game um, I think as you alluded to giggles a kind of a, a cat and mouse first half with, with goal giving Limerick that bit of impotence yeah I, I just say as well like I was I was obviously everyone who knows me knows I kind of Cork would be the biggest county I'd kind of shout against most of the time so I was shouting for Limerick but before we even get to the end of the game I did feel really really sorry for Cork I thought Cork played a really good game for them for 60-65 minutes had had the, the game won essentially but as, as pretty much everyone knows these days no game is won in Munster hurling anymore even if you're 10 points up you, you can be clawed back but um, the first half yeah the first half was kind of point for point Cork looked <coughs> excuse me <coughs> a little bit better but they never really took off and then it was tippy tap. It was like, it was your classic, same as the last day in, in the Munster Championship, point for point, three points in a row. Limerick could go back and get three points in a row. Cork went two ahead. You think they were going to go ahead into halftime and then Keane Lynch turned up with that goal, which was an amazing run and a beautifully floated pass. Went in and buried the ball past Anthony Nash. Gave Lim- Limerick impotence, as you said, Liam, but it, it, it just set up the second half perfectly. It didn't really give advantage Limerick, really, because... There were so many bloody scores in, in the game in the first half alone. You still didn't know what way the second half was going to go. And I, I kind of had a feeling that Cork were on top after the first 35 minutes. And Shani, you couldn't believe the pace of that first 20 minutes in particular. Yeah. You, you, you like, I gave you a phone call on the Monday and you were like, after the first 20 minutes, you just didn't know how this game was going to keep going yeah. at that pace. But it did. It, for, it was, for a full 90 minutes. It just like The game has gone just to a new level. It, it really has. I mean, look, you, you can go back over the last 10 years of the Cork teams that won... Uh, or went for three in a row or stopped by Kikini then Kikini went on that massive run like the teams now would blow them away they would just for pace and hurling I just don't think any of those teams would live with them um, 
but I couldn't get over the, the, the amount of running and pace and just scores that were going on in the first 35 minutes. It was just phenomenal. Um, Cork or uh, Limerick came out of the traps pretty hard and Cork kind of mashed him point for point as John as you said I thought um, uh, Cork's half back line got a, took a while to get going and I think Cadigan went over on Hagerty and kind of quelled him after he got a, I think two or three points in the first few minutes um, and I think he probably quelled him after that uh, Cork then kind of got going again you know, got a few scores on the board. The, the full back line was under ferocious pressure from the first five minutes to the right, right at the end. Um, so, but I thought they were going pretty well, going very well. Daniel Kearney again just went through an ocean amount of work. Um, the three, the three factors I kind of put out why, why, why Limerick won were like the bench. Obviously, everybody is probably an obvious one. Dowling, Pat Murphy, and Peter Casey were phenomenal when they came on. Um, the Limerick half-back line to cover back in front of Horgan, give him no space, um, while also just delivering a ferocious amount of ball. And then, I guess, Limerick's, Limerick's mentality, really, as a young team, when they were in arrears and when things were going against them, like, to able to step up and, and power on. I think they were the three factors I, I picked out why, why Limerick kind of won. But, uh, yeah, yeah the, the pace is just... Yeah. incredible the game has gone to a new level and I think it's very interesting looking at the hurling championship as a whole this year nine points as a lead has been hasn't been surmountable wiped out wiped, you know what I mean yeah. like is in right throughout the championship in Munster and Leinster those those um, score differences have been brought back so even when Cork went that six points up with ten minutes to go in any in any other quarter beginning football or even hurling up until recently you're fairly comfortable now a lot yeah. can happen in hurling but you're fairly comfortable and it wasn't goals that got Limerick got that score reduced oh. you know and when Lahan got that goal you're like okay Cork are going to kick on now and for me it was very similar to the Kilkenny match Richie Hogan's goal around mm. the 60 second minute Kilkenny t- turned the corner I was like right here we go what did Limerick do bang 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 same on Sunday. There's a different mentality. It's a different there, mentality. Limerick. They didn't flinch, yeah. and it was nearly. It was, they hit their purple patch then. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they really put the foot down, and that was phenomenal to watch. That, like your your decision making, every single pass then counts. Every yeah. single decision you make, every si- single pick up matters. Yeah. They didn't miss a beat in those no. ten minutes, and that really impressed you, John. Yeah. Well, what well, I was really impressed by, and Sean, he touched on it there. We talked about will the Limerick half forward and live up to the same performance they did the week before and we obviously highlighted the Limerick half back line as being a phenomenal but both those lines actually didn't perform that well on the day compared to how they played against Kilkenny but we did pick out Mike Casey and Sean Finn last week as two unsung heroes and we were talking about Patrick Horgan in the in the in the great light that he is as a player and whether he was moved full forward or whether he was moved corner forward Sean Finn and Mike Casey ate him alive and I know he got his one or two points but the pre- the hurling those guys have and the physicality and they've been left one on one situations the same as the two Cork boys down the back and if you flip it then on the, on the other side we were talking about the Cork half back line maybe being the problem and O'Donoghue and Spillane being the real strengths and Spillane and O'Donoghue were cleaned out mm. they were it was and it, it, it wasn't their own fault they were obviously trying very hard but Gillan and Mulcahy and when Flanagan went in there and when Dowling went in there yeah. the guys just weren't able two of the fastest most kind of attacking cornerbacks in the game they just didn't have a hope and it was it was funny because we had highlighted Limerick's half forward half back line but it was their full back line full forward line that were probably yeah. the, the the key the lines in the first 70 minutes anyway and it's such a contrast like of the to- both full forward lines you know the, the way the ball was coming into them or, or the delivery of ball and positioning outside of them like the, the Limerick full back line had the cover of the half back line now that doesn't mean to say that they did all the work for them like as you said uh, Casey on, on Horgan was phenomenal like like the class of Horgan he did get away for a few points but overall for the whole day Casey got the better of him yeah. but that was purely a lot of that is down to the cover as well the half back and then on the contrast the other side the Cork half back line were at sixes and sevens for a lot of it Yeah. and the exposure Galan got the exposure that um, that Mulcahy. yeah but Donoghue and, and what's his name Spillane <laughs> he was getting balls caught over his Spillane is brilliant in the air like yeah, he was getting balls <laughs> caught over his head left right and centre yeah. And it was just a, such a contrast in that. And like, I kind of felt sorry for the full back line. I couldn't really fault him for the day, really, because I still thought they did, they held their own. Yeah. Now, there was one, there was one point, right, when, when, when Cork went those six points up, a lot, there was a couple of frees given away by the Cork backs at that time for Limerick coming back into it. And they were a factor, really, as well. Sean O'Donoghue 
uh, pushed a guy over the line. I can't remember who it was. He was out by the sideline. He pushed him in the back. It was a, it was one of the the four points. Galang got back the free. Then, yeah. I remember, yeah, it was like it just reminded me of the game against Tipperary this year when. Um, he came across the goals they were up a couple of points and he went down to pick up the ball missed the pick up and it was just like he made such a small little error in just a vital time in the game like and it just cost you know one of the things that cost them there and, it just and I think you touched on as well Sean the strength of Limerick's bench and the difference they made I think it was one six they got when they came on and it was interesting during the week obviously we had Darren O'Sullivan very scathing of the Cork man- of Cork management and the changes that they made he felt really upset the momentum going into the last 10 minutes but I think it's a bit harsh because look we've said it before on I think last week's podcast hurling now is a 20 man game like before like you might only bring on one or two subs maybe in the last few minutes you need 20 men to win a game now Cork needed to make those changes and they made the changes and it and they didn't click for them but I don't think I don't think the management should be held out to account for that one thing I would be critical of would be Seamus Harney. Seamus Harney received that dead leg before he even came out in extra time, which was very clear on, on when you watched the game live, he was hobbling out, right? Yeah. But <clears throat> obviously everyone is talking all week about Nicky Quaid's flick, like one of the greatest strokes of all time by a goalkeeper and, and to stop a goal. But if you watch it before the ball comes to Harry, he's actually struggling to get to yeah. it yeah. because he's limping to get yeah. to it. So that half a second that it took him longer to get to the ball gave that Nicky half a second to Quaid to yeah. flick it away they're not taking it away from Nicky Quaid but everyone's saying oh Coleman, Seamus Coleman scored during the week and, and he was in, doing a preview for the under 21 match this weekend Mark Coleman yeah saying um, look Harry was so brave and such a leader doing what he did but the counter to it is actually no he's not being a leader if you're actually not able to play and you can't get around the yeah. field you need to come off and he should have been off earlier because yeah. he actually wasn't able to get around yeah. the pitch look yeah and look and your first point, Dimmer Sullivan, that was that was ridiculous for him to come out like so hard like that, and and he only just out of management last year. Like I thought, it was just very very unprofessional of him to do something like that. Um, he knows those players very well. Like he, those players, are obviously, going to read all that and say like, what, what what's yeah. the point of this? Like, what what is the good of Cork going to get out of this? So, um, he he called the supporters fickle, but he was being fickle himself. Really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he was on about some confrontation outside the ground as well, which is fair enough. And he was sticking up for team, but that <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, yeah. um, on the second point about Harnedy, I, I was I was listening to John Myler uh, during the week in an interview, and he actually said they actually put it to Harnedy, you know, about about staying off. Like, but he's such a leader; he's the captain of the team. Like he's dragged them through so much this year alone. They kind of they kind of left it with him. In hindsight, yes, it's the wrong yeah. decision. Very hard, very hard thing to do to say to your captain who's part of the leadership and all that to come off. But yeah, I take your point there. I think it, yeah. it probably was the right decision. But and it's, but as you said, like it is a twenty man game now. Like I mean, f- fifteen players is is no good anymore. Like you have to have strength and depth, and that is that is where Cork. That's the reason why Cork are not in the All Ireland final is because they don't have that strength and depth, and they had to bring on yeah. back on the likes of Daniel yeah. Kearney. Um, Kingston came, Kingston back, came back on. You know they just. Jeez, you'd be, wouldn't you be absolutely sickened as a sub there but in, the boys in, being brought back on interesting again. you talk about leadership and go back to the 2004 All-Ireland Final and Brian Murphy got a, a belt in the first couple of minutes and it blurred his vision and Brian Murphy suffers from vertigo and the minute he hit him <clears throat> he put his hand up straight away in the All-Ireland Final would have loved to stay down now. Yeah. a lot of backs would have stayed on for 10 minutes to see could they run it off but he knew himself and he put his hand up and came off and Cork won the All-Ireland yeah. if Seamus Harnedy came off and it was Robbie O'Flynn got that ball on his left hand side who was elite left hand side as you said Liam he wouldn't have given Quaid maybe the Robbie gave the pass though which was Robbie gave the pass right <laughs> <laughs> I suppose Alan Cadigan maybe yeah. even when yeah. he's really happy I was you going know? to get on to that you so know? Um, it, it, it was a fantastic game but I, I think we're talking about scoring goals there just to kind of bring up another point I was looking at again and it's the second week in a row we're talking about this the guy got man of the match, he's actually in line for hurler of the year at the moment, but if he learned how to hit the ball into the ground, as opposed to going for the, the, the top corner, the show, showtime goal, he'd have eight goals in the last two games. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Galan, he's an amazing hurler. He gets himself into brilliant positions. His left-hand side is phenomenal, but just bury the ball in and the bottom kicking corner. kicking skills he needs to work on as well, kicking yeah. out the hand. <laughs> he's some man to drop a hurl yeah. mm. in a contest. It's, it's a funny one and I suppose you can't really blame him for the, the football piece. If, you, if a football went into Patrick's well it'd be absolutely punctured with about 45 knives, never mind one. So he has no football skills. I, I'm pretty confident of that but 
definitely take a point Liam and the, the drop in the hurry is a funny one it, it yeah. goes three he times a game time. yeah, yeah against Kenny it was yeah. the same and I get like he, and I, he's taking the, the chance to keep going because he probably might get a free but he thinks he's in yeah. for a goal but he loses it very easy. Yeah, he does, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not a dropping off the hurl, but it's no. a in a contest letting go of it kind of. And that's is, a simple thing to fix, really, in his game. Really, yeah. that shouldn't be a hard thing to fix. But he was again; he was phenomenal, and that's not taking anything away from. But like thirteen it, from from the game and six from play, like it, it's yeah serious performance. Yeah. But to your point, Shawnee, about where hurling has gone, I suppose this year in terms of scoring, and I think we said it ourselves even in the preview that it was going to be one twenty six, one twenty seven to win it. And obviously he went into extra time, whatever. Mm. but that's where the score, that's what is winning games now. Whereas you look back to 2009 when Kenny won the four in a row, it was 122. It was your 25, 20, 24, 25 points to win your games. Now you have to be getting 30, 30 points. Yeah. Like it, hurling has changed significantly and we'll talk about it later in the podcast around Colin Parkinson and his kind of hurling snobbery and his criticism of hurling and... and is it that great when all these scores are happening? But there is a point. There is a point to look at. There is in it has evolved so much that now you can score from a hundred yards out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the ball does travel so far, so fast. You know, it's amazing to watch. It's not taking away from the game. As hurling fans, we couldn't have had a better weekend. But there has been a significant shift yeah. in the way those games are being played out. Yeah, and I think Cheddar Plunkett had a very good point on this, and he he, he kind of used the coaching right. So players are being coached even more intensively from a younger age than they've ever been and the level of coaching and training that teams are putting in is far more than it ever has been before so when if you go back to the 1995 All-Ireland it finished 113 to 28 right and that was meant to be a classic and the hurling if you, you, we, we look back on that recently and the it's a horrible game to watch. It's just hurling advancing. And if you look back at basketball 30 years ago, 70 points used to win a game. Now you won't win a basketball game and it's score 110 points. Do you know what I mean? It's it's sport revolving and it happens in every single sport, probably with the exception of soccer, which is going to be more defensive. And 1-0 probably are more than the 4-3s these days. But it's, it's phenomenal. I think there's a bit of media attention out there for is hurling too exciting? Do you need to heavy the ball? It's ludicrous. Like... We've got the best product in the world. It's this negative people detracting from it. That's absolutely should be shut up straight away. It's phenomenal. Take probably your point, Liam. You're probably worried they're playing cornerback. That if the forwards keep going the way they're going this modern age, safe enough in Australia. <laughs> safe in Australia. That's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> if you ever go back to Dixborough, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's it, it's just phenomenal. It's exciting. You just have to keep letting the evolvement happen. And I reckon. There will, there will be another involvement. There will be a defensive tactic come into this in the next two or three years. Someone will look to close down that space around the 100 yard mark and it could bring scores down. It'll go up and it'll be the involvement of hurling forevermore. Yeah. yeah. But we are, look, we, we, are, we are in a great place. And looking at Limerick, I suppose pre that game against Clare in the Munster Championship, we were saying Limerick looked like the real deal. Everyone then forgot about him after that game. But after last Sunday, going into the Ireland final, obviously we'll be doing a preview of the Ireland final. They do look the real deal. And whoever comes through tomorrow night will have a serious test against Limerick. Um, and it, I think it's a huge testament to them, from, even where they come from last year. Like they limped out against Kilkenny in Nolan Park and very, very ordinary. Kilkenny only won by a few points, but Limerick never looked like threatening. And essentially with the same group of players are now in the Ireland final, playing yeah. a brilliant brand of hurling and have this mental toughness yeah. which we talked about Galway having last year for not having for a long time and Limerick seemed to have it this year but just seen an article there in the Irish Examiner around the cost of preparing teams that Limerick already have spent over a million euros on preparing their teams this year oh, up yeah. until oh, them getting to the Ireland geez. final which is going to add yeah. another significant cost that's mad you know what I mean yeah. so like how, susta- how sustainable it, yeah, David Fitz isn't involved how sustainable is it for counties and we know they've got financial backing they've sorry, got the backing they've got <laughs> financial backing as well like to, to prepare teams now to the level that they're at we're talking about the speed the fitness everything that needs to be put around that costs money mm. costs euros and it, that's where we're going to it's another conversation for another day around professionalism and all that kind of stuff but the cost of preparing teams to this standard so we get these games is phenomenal but um, look we're in for an intriguing iron final whoever comes through on, on, on Sunday but Shani one more point yeah just before we got off that point there just on, on the Cork issue there I think I think you've all probably forgotten about Cork at this stage but I haven't um, Shani is a page like, here it's, like Cork haven't been beaten yet this year or hadn't been beaten yet this year until, until the Limerick game they haven't been beaten in the last two years in Munster, um, I think there is a probably an issue going around out there that like Cork have failed in the last is it eight eight attempts in Crow Park to get through to um, an All Ireland final. Um, 
But I think Cork Hurling is very in, in very much a, b- a good place at the moment compared to what it was maybe three, four years ago but when King, Kingston came in. Like they're definitely building there. There's definitely a solid a solid squad coming up there. They just need, I think, between probably sixteen to twenty four, I'd say they just need to build up those type of players like but other than that I think there's number three number six as well. Well <laughs> no, I would I still I still I would say probably number three, but I think the half back line. Just looking back, actually, on the two games over the weekend, if you look at the number sixes on all the teams in the in the semi-finals, none of the number sixes. That's a were fair still point. Up. Yeah, none of the number sixes are staying at home. Number sixes anymore. Yeah. They're being dragged around the place, pulled around. It's a different number six you need now. Yeah. You need. Harrigan doesn't hit ball like. He doesn't, but yeah. he's a stopper. I'm just saying yeah. what yeah. you're saying he about sixes. Oh, hundred percent. Four or six was your best hurler. Yeah. yeah. He's he's you need a stopper now as a number six yeah. and that's like McInerney is probably the best. He's the ultimate four. stopper. He's yeah. a, he's a pure stopper, but he like he doesn't deliver much ball either. He hands no. it off to Johnny yeah. Cohen. Not or he wrong hands with that. Clear, he's probably the worst of the sixes left in yeah. it. Declan Hannon is probably your classic centre back. He's yeah. probably the only one left. But I agree with your point, Shawnee. I think up to four, four years ago Cork were getting nowhere underage they had, they had terrible underage success they're after getting to a number of All-Ireland semi-finals they're in an All-Ireland in 21 um, semi-final is it semi-final or final they're semi-finaling as Wexford this weekend. weekend the Cork Hurling is in a lot better shape there was serious worry for Cork Hurling yeah. probably four years ago whereas it's starting to be, get built up yeah. again Again now that's a fair like point you've got the likes of Brian Turnbull there he was he broke his leg last year he was the up and coming forward in Cork yeah. at the moment he is to come into the scene yet Steve McDonald is missing from last year. He's another solid man you would have had there in the back line yeah. uh, and probably would have meant maybe Cahillan mightn't have made it this year. Um, so, definitely, and like Alan Cadigan, he was he only featured on the bench. He obviously wasn't fit enough yeah. to come on because he's definitely a guy you would have had on there. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, just finish off on that point, Liam, I think it's still in a strong place. I have a lot of high yeah. hopes again for, that I'd say the next three or four years we'll win in All-Ireland. To that point now, Sean, I'm going to have to counter it though with Sean Moran did an interesting piece in the Times during the week where he spoke to Sunday's defeat at Cork was the ninth time in 12 seasons that the Munster champions have been beaten in an Ireland semi-final. Mm-hmm. And, as, you know, and, and, and seven of those nine times was by their fellow provincials. Yeah. So does that take the shine off the famous Munster Championship and being Munster winners? Let's be honest, at the end of the day, winning Munster Championship, winning Leinster Championships in this day and age, I would argue, doesn't matter. Well, it's, wait, no, wait, no, it's about winning all Ireland's. Well like that. you talk about Cork having come on with their one Munster last year, the one Munster this year, something you're very proud of. Got to an Ireland semi final, but they haven't produced the goods in Crow Park. They haven't won a semi final yet again. I agree with your point as well, Giggles and Shawnee, that in four years they were not in a good place. They're in a far better place. And K- Kingston did fantastic work with them. And Myler, to his credit as well, yeah. has brought them on another little bit, even though they didn't get over the line on yeah. Sunday. Like you were probably didn't think Myler was going to do much good with them, Giggles, when, he, when that yeah. was announced. In fairness to him, I think he's done well. But that is something that has to be looked at. Not yeah. when Ireland is ultimately a failure for Cork. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I still think they've, they've progressed since, since last year. Um, they, like, look, to be honest, Cork would be in the All-Ireland final only for that flick from um, Quaid. The game would have been all over if he latched onto that and Harney stuck it in it and we wouldn't even be talking a different about conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So but that's the, they're, they're the fine margins. And that's such a fine margin, you know? And I think so like, even putting out that discussion, ah. Oh, there's no point in winning the Munster Championship, no, because you're never going to get to that. No, I know, I know what you're saying, but like writing that type of stuff, like the the championship this year is different, so it's very incomparable to the last few any Great, other season, fair, you know. Yeah, so let's give it another couple of years in that regard and see how how that goes. Yeah. But it is a fair point, yeah. Just just on that point, I, mean, I know we're gone way over in the same, but there's four cups you can win as a hurling club, probably three because you can't play in the Leinster Championship or Munster Championship. The National League, the Munster, and the Leinster are probably on the same level. Uh, in my opinion, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like nice, they're, nice to have. Yeah. They're they're good, but they're good to win. If you, like there's yeah. there's ni- nine teams can win a, 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 an all one of nine teams can win an all Ireland at the moment. One of eight maybe you could argue. So it's only going to be one team, and Kilkenny went through a period of dominance. So for counties like Limerick winning a, a Munster Championship in 2013, counties like Cork winning in 14, they hadn't won it in 10 years. These pieces of silverware just generate the promotion of the game. They generate so they're not just nice to have. Like yeah. you know, Waterford win the national league, Clare win the national league, or big. D for the county so they're definitely maybe in Kilkenny you can fo- focus on the Leinsters as being like you know we don't even do a speech anymore because we've won yeah. 25 of them in a row but the Munster Championship and National League for probably 8 out of the 9 of those counties including Galway is still a big deal probably you're looking with the Kilkenny tinted I've got Kilkenny lens on but yeah. when you go back like you won't go back 
who won the Munster Championship in 2011 no. do you know what I mean like no, is he, you'll be that. able you can list off for me the All-Ireland winners over the last 20 years now giggles with your fountain knowledge you'll probably give me all the I Munster Champions tip winner, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I'm just saying generally now you, like yeah. it's the All-Ireland winners yeah. you know what I mean well that's and the be all in that's the be all in but like especially for counties like Cork Tip Kenny yeah. and like uh, who have a pedigree yeah, of winning exactly. like no, you, you know you want that's, to that's that's like, hundred percent true but like, over here, like so. fairness like Giggle's point is, is spot on like you success is success it doesn't matter where it is I mean like you look at the the lower divisions there now like you know the the, the Carlos and the West Mees playing hurling if they win you know Christy Ring Cups and things like that that's success that's, that's, that's promotion yeah. you know that's promotion of hurling in that in that county and like so they they can't be written off too too yeah. too much either like yeah and yeah. Much to debate. We, we we better move on. We're moving on. We are in great form here. Shawnee's after coming out of his slumber there, even though he was very tired this morning. Um, but we're moving on next, talking about another great game, another draw, another big payday for the GEA. Clare and Galway coming up next. Like the legend of the Phoenix, huh. all ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? We're now done in past the injury time. Kelly has to go for distance. The referee doesn't blow his whistle. Ball comes out towards Dolan Dunaway. Claire have the ball. Patrick O'Connor sends it into the centre. They have to hold possession. The referee gets out of the way. Hand passes on. Dolan Dunaway is the left corner back. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. What a match. I have never experienced on, anything rest. like it. Blow it up, Brett. Blow it up. Brian Gavin, blow up the final whistle. Surely he's looking at his watch and he's blown the final whistle. It's a draw for the second year in a row. Another weekend's hurling, two draws in normal time. Um, the Clear Galway was the Saturday night game, smaller of the crowds, but still well over 50,000 in Crow Park. And we just had another phenomenal game. It's so hard. To, where do you start with these matches and how did they all unfold? And again, more excitement. And again, I watched this game on delay, watched it the next morning. I was actually going playing a game of golf, so I allowed myself enough time to watch the game that I thought was going to be a 70 minute game. And then I didn't have enough time to watch the rest of the match as usual. So it's just, I have to allow now when I'm watching so games at the man. Yeah, someone else was logged in. Shawnee was logged into my uh, GA Go account and the rule is, if I get up and I say, jump out, you jump out. Of course, Shawnee, stay logged in. As thick as much as he is. I was in the middle of the game and I actually, this is a true story, I went to the go- playing golf as well and I... I thought I, I, I thought it was a draw I didn't even know there was extra time I turned because Liam was on the phone to me get off Diego get off Diego so, so I finished the match draw game right okay turn off Diego Liam all yours and then I came came to the golf and I just flicked on open Twitter and I was like 130 to 130 I was like what I didn't know it was 130 to I didn't know Claire got a goal I was like <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying we're going to have to factor in now um, two hours to watch hurling matches at the moment but look what a fantastic game and after the first 15 minutes we thought Galloway were cruising straight into our final Eagles yeah they looked they looked the real deal they were just throwing the ball around again dreamland as you say it here is that what I said dreamland no, they, were, they weren't like <laughs> one seven to a point and you're thinking yeah my seven point prediction is fairly safe uh, and next thing I, I suppose we can talk about the one seven here. Like the only thing you'd say for the goal, it was disastrous defending. Like I've had a, probably a bee in my bonnet. Poor old Connor Cleary has gotten the brunt of it all year. But Connor Cleary went down with one hand in the six yard box to pick up a ball. He didn't even get his hurley under it properly. Connor Cooney came in, caught it and buried it. It was it was awful defending by Clare. Mm. Um, but on, in hindsight then as well we were also talking last week about the death of the sweeper the sweeper is absolutely gone you can't play with the sweeper anymore and what did Clare do? they went back to the way they were playing in 2013 with a sweeper one of the most intelligent players in the game Colm Galvin 
and they eked their way back into that second half point by point very slowly Shane O'Donnell got a great point where he was under savage pressure Duggan started just hitting his freeze over and all of a sudden it was four points in it there was three points in it they got it back to two points before Galway got to two points before half time and you're thinking Jesus Clare have played terribly here Galway have played brilliantly and there's only four points in it at half time and that's that's been Galway all year it's been Galway against Kilkenny it's been Galway in different games in Leinster Championship they get to a certain point they get cruising and they get complacent and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how they break that piece next week I think it's the mental focus for Galway at the moment is something when, when they're turned on they're on and like against Kilkenny they were did it similar to Kilkenny in those games so in the, especially in the replay they were out in front by that and was like oh my god we're going to get absolutely whacked here yeah. but they didn't do it they didn't kick on again and Anthony Daly made, made his point in his, his article in the examiner during the week that the Kilkenny team of that generation would have just buried you yeah. you weren't coming back they would have got another 1-3 or 4 on top of that 1-7 whereas Limerick or Galway should have had 2-11 probably yeah. in that first 15 minutes they shot an awful lot of wides in that first half Yeah, and yeah. And, and it kept clear in it and Jackie Turd made his point in Dyer's Times that it was a sweeper who he's very anti-sweeper but that's Clare still alive this summer um, but it'll be very interesting will they revert back to it maybe not for the start of the game this Sunday night this Sunday. And, and do you know what this, this Sunday night's game throws up and um, we've talked about the game but it, when you think about what Clare might do it, it, so much of it depends on whether Garrod McInerney's back it looks like he's absolutely definitely not Just, whether, the team hasn't been announced whether, whether Joe Canning can play yeah. his knee Canning looks like he's back. in trouble yeah. well, people are saying he's back but he went down his knee very heavily and he was yeah. hobbling off and he was getting criticised for that yeah. And Joe Canning, by the way, he scored another 12 points. Like, yeah. it's, he had an average game by Joe Canning's standards. He was man to match by anyone else's standards. There's the contrast. Like, yeah. like <laughs> Canning went down and stayed off. You know, you know, Hardy went down and, and would try to play on, like, and it was for detriment to the team. Yeah. yeah. You know, so Canning made the right, the right call, really, and, like, putting his hand up and coming when, off. When you see Gerard McInerney, David Burke, Joe Canning, Adrian Tuhi, yeah. all and in heart. And Aidan Hart, yeah, it's all on the bench for, for Galway. And going into injury time, you think, Jesus, Clare will win this. But it did show a bit of strength and character in the Galway bench. And I know it was probably enforced, and I don't think Dunne would have used all those players if he didn't have to. But they're like, they're like the five core players. It's, it's nearly like what happened to Waterford that day below in Cork when all your best players get injured. Like it's, it's a scary thing. But at this, and the flip side of that is, Clare were back in the game when these guys went off. It wasn't as if these guys going off was the changing point or the catalyst for Clare coming back into it. Clare had already got back to within two or three points and they were going to push them whether Canning was on the field or Garoad McInerney was on the field is it was irrelevant. And I think the point about the depth in Galway's squad is they are very strong in the forwards with McInerney being out and they're saying too he will be okay I think it was just a virus but one or two of the backs dropped off I don't think they have the same depth of strength in in defence you know and they've had a solid six the whole way through the year they really haven't made any changes there their hand was forced on Saturday evening it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds this Sunday if if McInerney is definitely out and we've just said how important the six is in this year's championship and how that six how it has completely evolved I don't think Galway have anyone like McInerney who can t- who can play that role they've and all got yeah, great players but, but probably yeah. not like, who they've been talking about actually putting back there and he's played there for under 21 a minor for Galway is Joe, Joseph Cooney which would be a totally out of he's never played centre back for county for Jeez. county Galway but he's played wing back for county Galway now yeah. the safe bet is to put Parik Mannion who's absolutely yeah, I was flying say him. this year he's a nailed on all star he's up in the top 5 for hurler of the year he's flying so he's he's your obvious choice and then you bring in as you said Liam a lesser player at wing back like a, a Loftus or someone like that they're not as good and you can imagine Peter Duggan or David Reedy going to town on somebody like Loftus especially with Peter Duggan and you're getting put down on top of him that's the difference you see it's, it's like the quality of the Clare forwards like Clare forwards are better than their backs as well so like the yeah. Clare forwards at the moment I mean I mean, after the consternation of the first 17 or 18 minutes that Galway had, like, you see Shane O'Donnell's point that just spurred on, just came the fight back. Like, he just caught the ball, won the ball kind of down low, slid out, got it turned, had Bambri, or um, is it Bambri up and up? Hambry up and up on top of him, just slung him around. John Banbury, I think John you called Banbury. him John Banbury last <laughs> yeah. year as well, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> slung him around onto the ground and, and put it over the bar. And that kind of stemmed a bit of a fight back from Clare, and it kind of all started from there. But, like, the other thing up on the other side is Johnny Glean is causing absolute oh. havoc, lads. He's he's attracting three or four players every time he gets the ball. And fellas don't know what to do him. But he's like he's so athletic as well. Like he's not a big lump of a man there who just catches the ball and hands it off. Like he was chasing back after Tony Kelly there in the first 
I don't know, it was the first 15, 20 minutes, and he was nearly catching him. Like, yeah. And Johnny Glynn is probably... Six, seven. I'd say yeah, six, 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 seven, and probably another three or four stone heavier than, than, um, stone, yeah. than, than Kelly. Like, it was just, he's an absolute monster, lads. Yeah, and he caused consternation yeah. for Galway for the whole, like, whether he was out wing forward on Shane Amore or whether he was full forward on... Um, David McInerney, like he, the reason Conor Cooney got the goal was because he was putting so much pressure on the two clear, three clear backs that were around it. He caught a mountain of ball. He was, he was just fantastic. Yeah, and I think one thing we were really looking to was the Conlon and Burke battle. We actually didn't see a whole lot of it in the no. first half. The second half we saw a bit more of it, but I think it was because a lot of it was being played in that, that middle eight. Yeah. It's where the game yeah. was being played out. Clare weren't getting that same delivery in. Galway had actually obviously worked on that quite hard. There wasn't that one-on-one exposure of the two of them, which would have been phenomenal to watch, but it just didn't play out the way we wanted. Conlon and Ferenstam did come into the game. I think he still came away with three points. Three points. And the other thing is, even in the first half, he won two frees in the first half that were scored, and he won two frees in the second half. So I would have given the battle to John Conlon for sure. And I've... Like, I'm not saying Dahi Burke was cleaned out or anything like that. Dahi Burke had a solid game, but usually Dahi Burke is eating full forwards alive. So, Supposedly he was carrying an injury, though. He was carrying an injury as well. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it's, it's, it's an ankle injury. Yeah, so it, it seems like all, maybe maybe the mountain of games the teams have played so far this year is building up in players. Like yeah, but it shouldn't be on Galway because they have had pretty handy games all year. Well, I wouldn't say that now. Oh, shy. They've blown everyone out the way. Kenny drew with him. They have two two hard games with, with Kenny. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's but the they only were the most recent had. two games before yeah. this game. Though. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying that like they're, they're the only two hard games they've had. Yeah, that's I'm saying like. But now the they've had three hard Claire games. Claire would have had, huh? But now they've had three yeah. hard. Yeah, games. well, I know, you know I know I mean? that. Yeah, but like coming into this, they would have had a but it, it, it's an easier run yeah. than Claire did. It's interesting when you look at the Galway team, right? Age profile wise, they're all on the road. They're all t- in that 25, 26, 27 where you think, was thinking anyway, logically is peak inter-county hurling and they've got the strength and all that and you look at Limerick as a contrast and they're all 21, 22, 23 and ma- like the minor has come back to under 17 the under 21 is going to come back to under 20 maybe that peak inter-county age is coming lower and lower oh, and, and it's 20 maybe, maybe it's 22 and 23 now with the athleticism and the amount of running Joe Canning or David Burke or Garold McInerney have to do and with the exception of David like David Burke is still 13, 14 stone like do you know what I mean he's a strong man the other two boys are bigger again and they get around the pitch so whether they're hammering Offaly or Dublin or having a tougher game against Kilkenny or Wexford they're still doing a lot of running True. and a lot of hurting yeah, yeah. and a lot of training yeah. especially over the last three years so you just wonder now it's, 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 it's a huge opportunity for Clare because Galway are a little feeling a little bit vulnerable a lot of their key players are injured Clare have the know-how now what to do. So they've had it in their psyche. We can draw with Galway and we should have beaten them. I think if you go back to the match, before we start looking ahead to next week, the last play of normal time, my heart was going... I was roaring for Clare at the time, I'll be honest with everyone, because I wanted the upset. And Conor McGrath fumbled with the ball three times. Jesus, Mm -hmm. I was so frustrating to watch that day. But he eventually got it up. Got it to Ian Galvin, and Ian Galvin went for the shot and didn't see. To be fair, who was another hurler of the year contention, Park Mannion's brother. Um, what's Mannion's brother's first name? Cahill. Cahill Mannion. Yeah, came back and blocked him. There was the little hand pass yeah. into David Fitzgerald, and yeah. it was a certain goal, yeah. but he probably would have tapped it over. But Jesus Christ, it was it was an in the in the moment match winning moment, and Mannion came back and made the block. But it was definitely a score on for Clare, whether it was. McGrath getting the ball up quicker to get it to get it to Galvin. Galvin shortening his stick or giving the pass to Fitzgerald and Galway will be gone. We'll be mm. talking about Galway now like we're talking about Cork a couple of minutes ago. So uh, I, I don't know. It's it's like I said, a seven point win for Galway. I still would probably if I had to put a bet on someone, I wouldn't put a bet on this weekend, but I put it on Galway. But Clare are just primed to maybe take take advantage of this now. And I think that to your point, Liam, earlier, they have to play the sweeper. Their, their backs aren't good enough. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I'm the same. They have to play that sweeper. I know and the, the flip side of that is Galway will be ready for it. But do Galway have the personnel to deal with it at the moment? If they have those injuries, I'm with you as well. I think Clare will go through. But if they have if they have Canning back anyway, I think they can... They have to have Canning back. Have, yeah, like they have to have him back. Um, McInerney, they probably would be able to get away without. Oh, I don't know, Shani. I don't know. They, if if they bring a stopper in there, 
I don't know. I don't know to have something similar. That's the thing. I don't know have this. I don't think Laft- have. if Loftus is the best they have, they're mm. going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think they're going to be in trouble. But now. yeah, I think I, I reckon Clare if they ha- if they are going to win, they'll have to have Galvin back there again because, like as I said, the. The, the activity around Johnny Glynn is just electric. Like, so <laughs> if there's any bit of ball going in there at all, like he, he as I said, he attracts three or four players every yeah. time. Like, so it's just leaving out mm. the rest of the boys there to, to get a handy point. So, but it was interesting. Everyone's talking about how successful the sweeper was, and that was the turning point. Martin Brettany in his piece in the Irish Independent during the week was saying that he thinks the key turning point was just Clare started winning more of their individual battles, whereas their passing accuracy was off. They weren't winning any of their battles for the first 15 minutes. And if you're not winning your one-on-one battles, you're getting yeah. cleaned out all over the field. Yeah. You're going to be run over the top of. Yeah. When those start to turn, and next minute you're winning more than 50% of your individual battles, yeah. by default, you're on top. You're on top. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm. So yeah. what, this, this, uh, the sweeper is no silver bullet. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. And Galway do have the personnel to score from long range. To in Hart is able to score from the half-back line. That they can pick them off if they have to from further out the field. Mm. Like Johnny Glynn, like you said... Galway don't have to go to Johnny Glynn no they went to Johnny Glynn this year put him in for four because uh, Parik Walsh had cleaned out who was he marking Cooney, Cooney in yeah. the Leinster final yeah. and the replay to put Johnny Glynn in and that's a, he's been their, their their focal point since yeah. mm. but they can't play they can't play other way they didn't got, play that way when they won the other so they've that's got other a very options. good point actually so I don't think the sweeper is guaranteed I don't I think they should not start with it myself and then if they're in trouble, they know they can go back to it. Yeah, but true. if you start with it, it's a hard system to come from behind with. Now, this, now obviously, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> Last yeah. weekend, they were one seventh point down. But I think Martin Bradley's point around winning this, the individual battles. And they stuck important. with it too when it was actually still going very bad at the time, which was, uh, you know, a very, very uh, huge plot as to the clear management for, for yeah. sticking with I think, that. I think there's two points on that. That's, that. that's a very good contrast, actually, to have a discussion around because two, two contrasting things was... Carl Mannion got a point in that first 15 minutes spell when Tuhi the goalie was running out to close him down and instead of Tuhi going out to tackle him Tuhi ran back to his goal mm. and that allowed Carl Mannion in an All-Ireland semi-final to pick up the ball and have a little look and tap the ball over the bar it was the most leisurely point you'll ever see in an All-Ireland final and on the flip side then Liam to your point winning individual battles I thought Peter Duggan stood up to the plate and he caught three puck outs probably from 15 minutes to 20 minutes and said right we're not going anywhere and he won a free and he got a point and he got another point from someone else brought into it and that and that that's true if you yeah. lose all your individual battles you're, you're going to get hammered and Peter Duggan was the first player player I think that stood up now on the flip side sorry trying two seconds the the, uh, <laughs> the 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 thing is the sweeper thing it suits some teams and it doesn't suit other teams like it does not suit Kilkenny to play that way it just doesn't but it really does suit this clear team especially the way Colm Galvin and Tony Kelly link up and the way they've linked up all their career and the minute Galvin was free and I don't think Galway will even be free if he's trying to be the sweeper the next day so you could be right not starting it but he'd pick out Tony Kelly coming back deep mm. every single time. And then when you have John Conlon, Shane O'Donnell, Podge Collins and Peter Duggan, four serious scores, you have a chance of, of, of kind of working that system. And Tony Kelly got two points from 100 metres. Yeah. <laughs> he got the ball on his own half-back line, took three or four steps into midfield and put him over under the Hogan stand. Yeah, I was going to say you that as mean? well. Like They have the option they as well to, of not going into yeah. John Conlon as well. They don't have to go in. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, and they were, the two, they were two points part of that comeback in the first half he rifled over to a massive oh, points ridiculous like. scores, yeah. Yeah. so okay we'll go but to the predictions o- the, o- no, the other thing though as well is like you're on about Peter uh, Duggan Peter Duggan was absolutely ridiculous as we, oh, have, that to, we have to mention that, that point. Point. we have to that is just inc- uh, that is the best point I've ever seen I don't care you know you're on about skill and fellas sitting around on the line or in the corner or whatever like that but like to be under that amount of pressure Lads hanging and off to hang and big men hanging off him like and to and do what he did. Yeah, exactly. And he, oh, lads, it was ridiculous. Scored, scored the, other, the year, anyway. The other thing is, is like, I think Claire are too reliant on him for puck outs. I mean, Galway will see, Galway will do their homework, lads, let's be honest. They're going to be picking out all these little moments and those little guys as well. Yeah. And like, they're, they're not going to let Peter Duggan catch puck outs the next day. Like, they're going to have a man on him who will, make, who will have it in his mind. This fella caught a couple of puck outs the last day that brought. Clear along with him, you know. So he's going to be a, a marked man. The only thing on that, Shawnee, though, to pick up on, they mightn't have a man to put on him if McInerney's out and they can't put Mannion on. Like Mannion's the only fella who can compete in the air. With I was going, I was saying he's the obvious choice. But then he's no centre back. Then they have to put Joe Cooney centre back. They're they're going to be in trouble in that half back yeah. line this this weekend. I think. Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
I, I agree yeah. with your point. You can't let Peter Duggan, he's the only man clear, have no. for the, the go to puck goals. out. Yeah, it's very is. true. But do Galway have someone to stop him? And I think the Galway half back line, Aiden Hart is a lovely hurler, but he's been taken off now he in Ireland. Finally, he's taken off he's in Ireland. Finally, against Kenny. It was a poor game, I think. He's a very good game. sweeper now, mind you. Yeah. And they didn't get him into the sweeper position, but he's not. He's not Unless they brought drop back Burke or, or, or Johnny Cohen. There's the other thing. Cohen could go back there. Yeah. Yeah. Right, predictions, Shawnee. Um. Look, I know it's it's a it's a hypothetical thing, but if, if Galway have those injuries, I can I can't see him going through. But I will I will go for Galway. Anyway. I think I think they have too much too much to learn from the last day. I, I just they just have that extra bit of quality. They have that extra bit of depth, and I think that's what's needed By what, at this uh, level. Probably three points in normal time. Please. I'm going to go with my heart this week, lads. I'm not going to go with any logic in my head. I'm going to go with Claire Limerick oh. in the final. The West will be awake. It'll be an absolute cracker. It'll be like 94, 95, 96 all over again when they had those massive battles. Uh, so Claire by two. I'm going to go with Claire as well. Oh, I just think, <laughs> I think Galway, like, having got a draw against Kenny the first day, Beckley Kenny the second day, fair enough. But I don't think they can keep... I don't know how they got to go to the well again with you know pulling those results out. They're kind of hanging in, so I, I think Clare with not youth on their side, but they do have m- m- probably maybe a bit less miles as you're alluding to for the average ages. I think Clare and in Turles, I think it could suit Clare as well. And just on that point, Liam, we didn't talk about him, and we, we were out of time. But Aaron Shanahan back is a serious oh, option. Foot forward, back, uh, twin towers, Conor I meant to mention the the Turles. Factors well. Clare have, have performed very badly in Turles. Up until? The last. They were very good in the Munster final. The last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, no, very I, good in the Munster final. They only played for half of it. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're out of time. We're out of time, so we're moving on. But yeah, yeah, quickly on Turles though as well. It was interesting the GEA didn't do the tickets for the replay through the clubs. All through Super Value and Century. You could only buy tickets. There was queues two hours long to brilliant. buy tickets. on. No, it wasn't brilliant. brilliant. It was a disaster. It's a disaster. So another balls up by the GA there on that front. But anyway, it'll be a sellout on Turles for tomorrow, so looking forward to that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're wrapping up. No, we're not wrapping up. We're going to have a quick look at Hurl of the Year contenders. Yes. And then we'll see where we go from there. look here lads at the hurler of the year contenders bearing in mind we still have another two games to go at least at least <laughs> oh, sure, it doesn't have to finish the next day it doesn't no. they're all learning fine go to a replay, oh so. my god yeah so we're guaranteed two games anyway very interesting giggles has done his research on our partner paddy power looking at the odds no they're not our partner <laughs> but uh, maybe if they want to get involved we're happy to talk sports to better them. our partner <laughs> sports <laughs> better australian equivalent um and i couldn't believe this giggles have it up for us here Galan is favourite seven to one. Shawnee nearly fell off his share there before he said it. Like yeah, I mean Galan has been like he's in phenomenal the last game, but I can't really pick him out as being a standout all year. I mean this this is another bit of a joke this whole of the year as well. Like I think I've I've alluded to this before about the whole voting system and everything like that. It should accumulate throughout the year a bit like the AFL. We yeah. did it here with the Gary Owen Club and went very done very yeah. successfully. Um, I think they they put it in again this year and uh, where the three selectors actually voted after every game put a 3-2-1 vote for top three players yeah, and I think well. like I think there ha- this should be something like that not just I don't know I just I just can't figure out how Galan is 7-1 I mean another guy on that list and I can't believe he's not on it is uh, Bork the full back I just can't believe he's like he's probably on it he's on it yeah, but, he's I, further I, but he should he's be further, further up I he think was, he was 14-1 to one, I think so Galan is 7-1 to one. Joe Canning is 8-1 to one. Conlon's at 9-1 to one. Park Mannion ten to one. He's brought so it forwards. Get them. I know. Sure, That's ridiculous. Yeah. Jesus, Lenny has got. I'm going to have to do a, a little bit of study now after that comment. We'll do harder the year for the last twenty years. We'll see what the percentage is. <laughs> forwards, midfielders, and backs. I don't know what forwards have always gotten it. I'd have Conlon ahead of Glad. Well, John Conlon before this yeah, weekend, we were all talking that he yeah, was the favourite. Yeah. yeah, he was the favourite, and he was my. I still think he's the favourite to win. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Put lump on there, Shani. I'd say Duggan yeah. is is gonna is gonna fly up the, the the list as well. He did. He came in. I think he's in. So the others were kind of 
Co- Co- Lynch, Darif is given reward, I think, at 14. Tony Kelly was at 16, and Duggan was at 16 as well, I think. But, um, oh no, Duggan's at 12, sorry, Duggan's is at 12, yeah. So it's, it's, there's, a, there's a good few in contention. Usually, every year, like, there's a Lark Harbert miles out in front of the year, he got all the goals, or Dan was miles out in front of the year, he got all yeah. the goals, or JJ Delaney the year, he won it, he was like the best wing back by a mile, clean. But whereas this year, there's probably, like, even like t- Tony Kelly could have two of the best games of his career now and then and he could win it do you know what I mean there's probably eight lads in contention as opposed to just usually every year it's or it could be him or him or maybe three maybe TJ I think Callan and, and Richie Hogan were kind of sharing the, the top three there for a few years yeah. um, whereas this year it could be one More of forwards, eight which is, very, which is very they were all forwards as well, yeah. forwards true Shawnee <laughs> so who are you going to go with Shawnee yourself my favourite yeah um, no not looking at the odds who are you picking Dahi Burke would be mine. Um, would be my favorite, but that's because I'm a. No, if you was to pick it, oh, if I was right to pick yeah. my one, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying who's going to win yeah, it. No, I'm saying so how well I would. I would pick out Burke as being the best player I've seen so far this year. Yeah. Well, I'm a back biased in here, so. Um, can I go two? No, have to go with one. <laughs> one. Just who do you think is going to win it? I know no, it's. I know it's going to come down. It's going to come no, down no, to the All Ireland final. Picking, we're, we're, picking, we're picking who would we think hey, is the best hurler yeah. right no, now. No, yeah. yeah. I have Burke. Burke. I would actually go for a back as well, but I'll go with Park Mannion. I think he's been fantastic. Big call there from the final. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd go John Connan. I think he's just been so consistent the whole way through, especially for Clare. He stood up in every game for them. I, I, I'd have him. Yeah. I'd have Connan. So shows the diversity, lads. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting yeah. one at the end of the year. Okay. Right, coming up next, we're wrapping up. We're looking at the Super 8s, and we say bye bye to Michael Ryan as Tipperary lose another manager. Oh, jeez. <laughs> don't look so smug. You should see the smile on his face here. Henry stood up to a penalty, toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life, you know, everything riding on it. He just buried it, you know, and... And was uh, it a penalty, Brian, do you think? Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the frees in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly fairly busy time. Did you think yourself it was a penalty, Marty? Well, I, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other frees as well to see where they dodgy <laughs> also? Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should. In, in terms of the referee, did you, were you pleased overall? I'm sure you are now, considering you've won the All-Ireland, but did you think he allowed a lot to go? Oh, Marty, please, give me a break. With, uh, the referee, uh, referee, we're supposed to say nothing about referees. I make a habit of saying absolutely nothing about referees. During McCurvin, I was, I'm certain in my head, was going out to be the very, very, very best he possibly could be. You seem to have had a problem with him, you tell me. Right, Giggle, Super 8s. Right, we're throwing to you here. I'll do, we'll I'll, be honest, myself and Shawnee, I can't, I've no time for football in my life. I know. I, I do a brief, there's a couple, I was chatting to a few people who are close to the Galway camp, but there's, give you everyone a brief rundown. What, Dublin, where are we up to? Dublin, tell, me, tell me what we're up to with Super 8s, actually. I actually don't know where we're, we're up to. We're in the last round of Super 8s. So I'm going to give you the just, Dublin versus Roscommon is a dead rubber. Dublin are true, Roscommon are yeah, out. Which is in Crow Park, which is Kerry a joke. Kerry versus Kildare is actually, there's something Kerry have to win. But Kildare are out, so it's kind of a foregone conclusion is what I'm saying. Monaghan versus Galway, first game in 80 years in the championship between these two. Now, the interesting one about this is it, and it's very it's like the World Cup kind of piece. If they get a draw, Kerry are out. So, you know, you can imagine you could play a defensive type of game here, Monaghan and Galway to draw. Both teams go through and they're very happy. But Galway are through anyway. Galway are through anyway. But the interesting thing is if Galway draw or win, they top the group and they avoid Dublin in the semi-final. So you, Galway will want to win? Galway want to win. The rumour is Kieran Duggan is in midfield for the injured Paul Conroy who broke his leg last week. He got man of the match in the first round of the game against Mayo and is back from injury himself. So that w- I, think on that, I think on that side, Galway-Monaghan is going to be a very good game. It's going to be extremely tight. It was extremely tight in the league. There's a lot of talk. Will Galway go and just throw the game because they've got the semi-final the following week regardless of the result and they want to rest their players. But chatting to Conor Costello who's back home in Galway now, Galway in the league were actually in the league final with two games to go and they still went and tried to win both those games. They're eager to keep their momentum up. Uh, the only team that's beaten them this year is the league final with Dublin. So they're going to go for that. 
On the other game, we talked about Roscommon, doesn't matter. Dublin are going to hammer him with their second team. But the massive game is in Bally Buffet. Tyrone versus Donegal. It's going to be absolutely rotten Ulster football. It's going to be vicious, <laughs> I can imagine. It's, a, it's going to be a tight pitch. Donegal are undefeated in Bally Buffet. I'm saying 20 years here. We had the right stat a couple of months ago on the podcast, so I don't know what it is, but it's at least 20 years. So I, are Donegal still in it? Donegal and yeah. Tyrone are both on the same amount of points. Okay. So the winner of this game goes through. If yeah. it's a draw, Ty- Tyrone have a much better scoring difference. So my point then is that they haven't been beaten in Ballyfoe in the league or the championship in about 20 years. But in the league twice in the last four years, they've been relegated in Ballyfoe with a draw by Mayo this year and by Dublin three years ago. So a draw would tr- knock them out of the championship. They'd keep their unbeaten run in Ballyfoe. So that's going to be very interesting. It's, it's a bit of a mad football championship so far because you think, let's say Monaghan and Tyrone get through to join Galway and Dublin, which would be the bookies' favourites to do it. Dublin look like they've got the best opportunity ever to win in a handy, I'll call it handy four in a row. Um, but then the other three teams, if you could get a knock Dublin off, there's a possibility of a Monaghan, Tyrone or Galway, which you... You know, it's, it's kind of a new team coming to the Palace. So that's the Super 8s in a nutshell. Um, let's, hope, let's hope Kerry are out in here after this weekend. It, it'll be, ah, Sean. Well, well the, the interesting thing with Kerry is David Clifford scored a goal in the 73rd minute to get the draw against Monaghan last week to give Kerry a chance. If he didn't score that goal, Kerry were out. So it's... it's Kerry and, and, and that's only based on the fact that Daryl O'Shea's article in the paper after... Um, after Monaghan and Kerry draw, he was saying that oh, Kerry the only team that can beat Dublin, like you know, and as they say, like Kerry should be going through, like because they're the only team that can challenge Dublin, like and after after Galway, yeah. and you still have Galway left in it, and we've Monaghan left in it, like so. I just thought, ah, oh, just put me off Kerry, now. Yeah. And you wouldn't be put off Kerry at all, no? no it'd be very hard <laughs> to actually, me off Kerry. You'd, you'd like Kerry as a Cork man, yeah. and you all going great. Yeah. That was a great synopsis of the Super Ace giggles. Thanks for bringing we, you up to speed on we that. Get, we got a quick bit of football. Jeez, in there, but your point then with Michael Ryan. Just to all the listeners, if you saw this f- smile on Liam's face when he was announcing Michael Ryan was leaving, oh lord, <laughs> even give you, a kick any man higher. <laughs> I tell you a good one now. I have a very good friend from mine from Federton County Tip. Shane Walsh is his name. Oh yeah. And after Kilkenny won the Ireland in 2014, I got one of the Kilkenny players, friend of mine to send a video to, to Shane with the Lee McCarthy wishing him happy Christmas <laughs> so you know, Shane was delighted to receive that I've always sent him something nice with Kenny went to Ireland and obviously 2016 I was home for the Ireland Henry my my little boy brought him to the Ireland finally he met Shane for the first time got a photo of my half time it was great so any that Christmas any I knew something was coming I was in Australia <laughs> I get a video of Shane and Michal Ryan with Lee McCarthy wishing me a happy Christmas <laughs> so <laughs> I, I've always had Michael Ryan in, in the back of my head so when the news came through during the week I, I sent back the video to Shane and I said it all went downhill for Michael Ryan after that video Shane <laughs> so I think he's won they've won three games is it three games they've won since they won All Ireland in the championship I think that was the stat that probably sounds about right Westmead, yeah. Dublin and oh I can't remember the other team yeah. so really they've beaten no one like that 2016 Ireland final blew Kilkenny away yeah. like again they were the standard bearers they were going to go on to win three or four in a row and as we see Tipperary classic home of the one in a row second season syndrome Nick English has said in the past after he won the Ireland in 2001 with Tip the hardest team to train in the country is Tipperary after winning the Ireland final yeah. mm-hmm. and they were a disaster that year and they were an ultimate disaster this year Parik Mar was out during the week before the news broke about Michael Ryan saying it was they had no shape to their team, constantly chopping and changing. He was referencing Limerick. He was, ref- well he was referencing yeah. Galway, how solid they had been, and that's why they're so yeah. far this year that their teams are essentially the same. But like I think those tip players have to look a little, little closer to home as well, though. True. Like you have to build and evolve teams as well. Like look at Kenny this year; they've had eight new championship starters, and they've yeah. had different teams all the way throughout the league and used forty different players, yeah. and they were still way more competitive than Tip this year. Yeah. Now they got got knocked out in the quarter final. Tip were a disgrace this year. And mm. like you can look at Michael Ryan, but I actually feel sorry for Michael Ryan. Tip and Galway are two favourites to win the Ireland. Tip and Galway, yeah, that's who we talked about. You would, it, you would say Tip are going to, we're yeah. going to top Munster. Yeah. It's it's interesting because there's actually on the flip side there's so many candidates potentially lining up now for this job. There's Tommy Dunn, there's Colin Bonner, there's um, William Willie Maher, Cummins, or even saying Brendan Cummins. Oh, is Kelly's been thrown in. I don't, I don't think he'd get oh, it, but he's, he's even trying yeah. But the, those four are real possibilities. And then they're talking about Sheedy and Nicky English. Do they come back for the second coming? 
uh, it, there's loads of obviously really good managers from Tip like they've gone out to counties and they've done really well so they'll, they will get somebody I think it will be beneficial for Tipperary but yeah you're right team the, the players probably have to look at it on the other managerial roundabout Pat Ryan has pulled out of the Waterford job I heard that yeah what's that about so he obviously he met with the players he was about to be rubber stamped and then he just said he, he, had, he must have had a chat with his partner or his wife or whatever and he said with work commitments and family commitments he wouldn't have been oh, able to put see that in. yeah so that, that was put down that's, as well that's a bit so stare yeah. is it there, there's something he's gone that far to meet yeah. the players but he met the players and apparently had a very positive meeting that's what I read in the article now so I don't know what's going on there so it's the managerial merry-go-round is kicking off well before the end of the championship. It'll be, it'll be very interesting what happens from on those both those two counties. But just to go back to my favourite county tip, okay. um, <laughs> it's interesting though, I think it's the first time since 2008 that oh, there's yeah. been a break in that kind of succession planning that Tipperary have had. So we had Liam Sheedy, I think it was 2008 if not 2009 was his first year. It was his first year. It was his first year. Then we had Eamon O'Shea was his selector coach with him. Then Michael Ryan oh, yeah. was in with Eamon O'Shea. Yeah. So there's this been kind of this chain link for nearly 10 there's years. There's no connect, no. There's yeah. no connect. The full management team has stepped down. And in fairness, they've said they think it's for the good of Tipperary hurling yeah. that it might need to go in a different direction. So it is interesting that Tip have, in that 10-year period, yeah. still have only, only won two All-Irelands with that succession I, I planning. I know is that Cr- definitely true, though. Because Declan Ryan came in at one stage and he was thrown out again but did someone stay with him I think there was still a link there there's a link there throughout with all with all of them oh. credit to Michael Ryan though for, for actually stepping aside like because he wins so bad this year like he, he could be one of these guys who could have stuck in there and I could be and, and continued managing again and try to you know pick yeah. it off the ground again and in all credit to him really for I, putting his hand up on it I think you're right I think Michael Ryan is actually a very likable Tipperary yeah, manager yeah totally he's, I don't, he's a nice he's, fella he's actually he talks very clearly he's very direct um, you always get the honest view with him and he's probably too honest nearly for he, the job. he might be too honest yeah. for the job but he won in All-Ireland he's won in All-Ireland as a selector he's won in All-Ireland as a player and he doesn't know a Tipperary ending and they had a disaster year this year yeah. you're, you're dead right and I think it's probably t- with Park Maher is coming out and saying those stuff the, the camp isn't happy so yeah. it's the right time to they'll go they'll win the All-Ireland again next year though yeah, yeah. Let's see that <laughs> but just before we finish up just to quickly obviously we saw during the week as well what we knew was going to happen the Lee Miller um, charity game has been oh, sorted yeah. thank God and also we kind of said on the podcast last week there was going to be a, a GA game beforehand which is happening now as well and the GA are giving the grounds for free for the charity game who's the GA game do you have any idea Not don't know yet we don't know yet so look fantastic result and we all knew it was going to happen but it's just such a shame like we won't go into detail again that I had to go through what I had to go through yeah. to get to this point and I'm just hoping that the learnings are there is before the GA dig in the heels and again let them have the conversations offline, get their ducks in a row, weigh up their, their their pros and cons and then make the decision for the good and not react to the sentiment that was quite obvious. But anyway. Hire a new PR manager. Hire a new PR manager, but the greater good has prevailed in that one and I think it's really good for Lee Miller and his family and the hospice that's going to benefit, but also for the GEA for actually just seeing sense and, and making this work. But look, I think that's it for today. Giggles, you're expecting guests to be arriving from any minute. I think you have a couple of jobs for me and Shawnee to do. We yeah. might get to eat some cake now before the guests come. <laughs> so thanks very much for having us today, Giggles. No worries. Thanks. And for the temporary accommodation in the spare room. Good chat. Shawnee, thanks for arriving grumpy, but getting kind of yeah. better as Headache you went along. Headache, Headache is gone. Headache is gone. I think I got a few things about Cork off my chest and things just... He walked in the door and I had a go at him. He goes, I'm not listening to your shit today. (laughs) And I was only having a joke with him and he was in really bad form. And Liam listed, you can get all the cake you want now because state games are starting, training is starting in two weeks. So eat what you want today. But after that, it's detox. I'm off the cake from today. After today. (laughs) I'm off the cake for after today. Okay, that's it for today. Today's show brought to you in association with... O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. Just quickly on O'Neill's, I've got a preview of some of the state games gear coming through. Absolutely beautiful. It's class. What are you saying, Johnny? The prize. The prize, yeah. We still, I'll send that through to you, Giggles. We have the prize for the predictor competition. Will be announced before the end of the year, I can promise. <laughs> Longer is the adjudication. Yeah, ever. there's a couple of things we have to clarify. I'll send you the data, Giggles, during the week. You can crunch that. So that's it for today. <laughs> have a good one, and we look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>